You're in Philippians chapter 1 tonight. I want to look at just the first 11 verses with you tonight. Our young people are memorizing the book of Philippians in school uh, this year. And so uh, I felt like the Lord would have us to look at Philippians. You know, um, when you're memorizing, uh, the Bible says, Knowledge is easy unto him that understandeth. That's a proverb. But uh, a lot of times when we memorize, memorization would come easier if you understood what the passage was talking about. And so I feel like that might be part of the reason doing this. And again, kids, keep the memorization up. It cleanses you from the inside out and uh, it'll help you. And so let's look at this. I'm guessing you're doing the first 11 verses right now. Am I correct on that? 10 verses? Does anybody know? Are we in the first 20 now? Verse 14 verses. All right. And so how many already have it memorized? Raise your hand in the school. You got it memorized already? Wow, look at that. All right, if you haven't memorized, raise your hand higher so I can see who it is. Now stand up. If you raised your hand, stand up. Come on, girls, you had your hands up. You have it memorized? You two girls? Well, stand up for Jesus. Anybody else have it memorized that you're willing to admit? Good. You guys come up here now. Stand up here since you're there. Go ahead, come on up here. All right, come on up, come on up. What happened to your cheek? Who drew on you today? Is that what they did in a carnival today? Who did that to you? Mrs. Allen? Who? Mrs. Dillon. Good job, Mrs. Dillon. You don't have one on your face. All right, good, good, all right. Okay, I want all of you to come over here, and I want you to quote. I need just verses 1 through 11. You think you can do that? Verses, you can do 1 through 14, that'd be easier. All right, let's run and find out how you do. All right, come on, come over here. No, just do it together. All right, go ahead and slide up to the platform, microphone there. Go up to the microphone there. Go up to the microphone there. Microphone, good, good. All right, girls, just step up a little more if you don't mind. Good, good. You slide over here where they can see you since you're short. You're over here, you're over here. All right, you guys ready? You get to lead them off. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1, or I'm sorry, Philippians. <laughs> Philippians. Sorry, I didn't even change the book. Philippians 1, 1 through 14. Go ahead. Philippians 1, 1 through 14. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. That ye may approve. That ye may approve that this is the goodest, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Different verse, sorry about that. That ye may approve things that are excellent. That ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. I tell you what, I'm only preaching through verse 11, and you guys did very well. Let's give them a hand, all right? Good. 
Joy, make sure every one of those gets a $10 bill for doing that for me. If you could take it out of your account, I'd appreciate it. All right. All right. You young people seriously should get you a $10 bill. I appreciate you doing that for me tonight. And that's the message tonight. Verses 1 through 11 is what we want to look at. Let's pray together. Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you for you giving us the opportunity to memorize and again study your word. Tonight and during this service, Lord, would you please explain this chapter and especially these 11 verses to us. And Lord, again, may we apply it to our own hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church family, the book of Philippians, Paul was writing. <clears throat> uh, he was writing to the church at Philippi. Much of, of Philippians is really explained in Acts number 16 because that's when Paul went to Philippi. If you remember the story in Acts number 16 of the Macedonian call, Paul was trying to find out which direction he should go on his second missionary journey. And on that second missionary journey, the Lord did not allow him to go into Asia. He allowed him to go toward Europe. And Philippi was a chief city of Macedonia. And as soon as he comes into Macedonia, I'm sorry, as soon as he comes into Philippi, he meets Lydia. And you remember the story in Acts chapter 16 where uh, he was, she was a seller of purple. God opened her heart. Lydia accepted Christ as her Savior. Now that was Acts chapter 16. Farther in Acts chapter 16, you're going to find out when he leaves Lydia that all of a sudden there's this slave girl that is demon-possessed that is giving Apostle Paul a hard time about giving the gospel. And he casts the demon out. And the Bible says that her masters were not very happy with that. And they caused Paul to be beaten and cast into prison. But we also know the reason God wanted him to go to prison, because also in Philippians, uh, I'm sorry, Acts 16, we find out that the Philippian jailer <coughs> is going to get saved uh, while Paul is there in prison. So those are the three converts that we know of in Acts 16 at Philippi that accepted the Lord of Jesus as their Savior. Paul's going to go to other, other cities, but he is going to write back to this particular um, church at Philippi. Paul is writing from prison in the, book, in the, in the uh, city of Rome, and he's writing to the Philippians at Philippi. Now, let's pick it up in verse number 1 with the history given. Now, look at verse number 1. And the Bible says, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ. So, the ones that are writing this, now, it's in first person, so Paul's the one writing this, but Paul makes reference to Timothy being with him. The servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. Now, just from my study in, in verse number one, Paul is writing to all the saints in Christ Jesus. In other words, those that are saved at Philippi, but then apparently these guys are not saints, the bishops and the deacons. Okay, I'm just joking. All right, that's not true. All right. All I know is he separated them. That's all I know. But he says the bishops and the deacons. All right, we all know the deacons are saints. Amen? Okay, not much agreement there, but anyway, all right. So that's who he's writing to is the ones that are saved there in Philippi. In verse number two, he says, grace unto you and peace from God our Father and from Lord Jesus Christ. He wishes upon this particular church that they would have the grace and peace of God upon their lives. Now, in verse number three, Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. And then he goes on to say in verse number four, always in every prayer of mine for you all making request with joy for your fellowship in the gospel and from the first day until now. The church, I want to preach through these 11 verses tonight and so I don't, I'm not going to read them twice, but I want you to notice, what's the uh, punctuation at the end of verse number three, four, five, six, and seven. All right, so in verses number three through seven, we've got one continuous sentence going along, and Paul's talking about why he prayed for them. When he says, I thank God, in verse three, I thank God in, upon, upon every remembrance of you, and then he says, always in every prayer of mine, Paul's talking about how he's praying for the church at Philippi. And then he picks it up in verse number 8, all right? And then in verse number 8, uh, you've got Paul saying, I'm sorry, verse number 3 through 8 go together. Verse number 9, he says, in this I pray. What's the punctu punctuation at the end of verse number 9? Punctuation in verse number 10. 
and then verse number 11. So verses 9, 10, and 11 is another continuous thought. And everything about, really, verses 1 through 11, verses 1 and 2 is the salutation or the introduction to Paul's letter as he's writing this letter to the church at Philippi. But the first thing that he deals with is how he prays for them. He talks about why he prays for them in verses 3 through 8, and then he tells what he's praying for them in verses 9, 10, and 11. Now, I want to make the application tonight in, in, this, in this idea of praying is that Paul was praying for, yes, his converts, but he was praying for the church at Philippi. Now, Paul's a little bit different because he's a, in the sense that he was a missionary pastor where he saw these people saved and a church was established, and he's writing back and saying, I just want you to know I'm praying for you. But I think the application for us tonight is how important it is for us to pray for one another when it comes to this congregation of, of assembly of believers. Paul was writing the church at Philippi, and he says, first of all, why I'm, writing, why I'm praying for you, and then he says what I'm praying for. I want to look at those two things tonight, and then I want us to make application in our own life on us praying for one another. Listen, <clears throat> prayers, prayer is what moves the hand of God. It seriously is. Uh, Spurgeon said prayer is simply getting the ear of God. Now, there's so many things about prayer that shows God our, in how much we want our prayers that are answered. For instance, there's essentials to prayer. It's essential as far as asking. It's essential as far as believing. It's essential as far as being uh, persistent. It's, it's, it, uh, prayer, it's important for us to wait. There are different things that uh, is, we would say that are essential to praying. But I'm going to tell you the first one comes from just from praying. And we need to pray for one another. All right, and of course, there's many instances in the scripture. Uh, Aaron was spared because Moses prayed. Uh, Peter was spared because Jesus prayed. And it's important for us to pray for one another. So let's look at Paul's prayer for the church at Philippi. And may we make reference to that for the church at Heritage. Look at now the Bible, and let's pick it up in verse number three again. In verse number three, the Bible says this. <clears throat> he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Now, I'm going to walk through these verses and just talk for a few moments tonight. But I want to tell you, you would not have a hard time remembering one another if you prayed for one another. I'm just telling you, church family, a lot of times we don't pray for one another, or we don't, I should say we don't remember one another. And the reason we don't remember is because we don't pray for them. I'm telling you, if you get into a habit of praying for people, you're going to remember the needs that they have. All right? And I know that we're all forgetful, but I want to tell you, you'd forget less if you prayed more. All right? So here's what he says next in verse number four. He says, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making request with joy. Why? What's the first word in verse number five? For, here's the reason why, <coughs> excuse me, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, church family, in context of scripture, who's Paul referring to? I think he's referring to the converts that are mentioned in Acts number 16. Lydia, the seller of purple, that slave girl that got saved the Philippian jailer in his house, this congregation that was formed from the names that we know of, Paul's writing this, says, now listen, I'm praying for you, and I'm telling you the reason I'm praying is because, verse number five, for your fellowship in the gospel. That word fellowship means partnership. And I think it can mean, I think that we can make reference to Philippians chapter four, how they met his necessity and how they sent their missions money to them. But whatever the reason, Paul said, the reason I'm praying for you is because we're partners in this thing. Now, church, I, I think sometimes we forget we are on the same team. We're not against each other. We're for each other. Now, listen, our personalities are different. Our, our, our line of works might be different. Uh, there's so many differences in the Christian life, but there's one thing we have in common. It's called the Holy Spirit of God that dwells, in, dwells inside of us because of salvation. 
Jesus Christ died on the cross, and that's what made us partners on the same team in order to, to, to go the same direction. He says, the reason I'm praying for you is because of your fellowship, that partnership in the gospel. And he says, hey, listen, we're one in this thing, and we're on the same journey. We're having the same fight. We're in the same race. And because we're in this thing together, I'm praying for you. Hey, listen, church, I, mean, I know your life is busy. I know you got a lot going on, but so does everybody else. There's people in our, in our congregation right now that are going through cancer that you don't even know they're going through cancer. There's people in our congregation right now that are going through a divorce. You don't even know they're going through a divorce. There's people in this auditorium that are going through health issues and problems in their own family that they can't talk about. And what happens is, is we get so busy in a Christian life that we forget we're partners in this thing. I think it's very important for you to pray for yourself. I think the model prayer every Christian ought to pray every day. I think it's important to pray the Jabez prayer. But I don't want to tell you something beyond yourself. There's something called intercessory prayer. And I'm just telling you where intercessory prayer begins. It begins with the church family. You know, we don't know what God really does on the behalf of somebody else because God, he does it without us knowing. Sometimes he does it without us seeing. But God's working on our behalf. It's important to pray for one another. Amen. I want to tell you something, Jacob and Constance raising that child, it's not just raising a child, it's raising a soul. We don't, we don't have any idea what's going to happen 20 years from now where Malachi is going to be and what God wants to do with his life. But the prayers 20 years earlier could actually change, 20, change his life for 20 years later. We talk about that child that comes down the middle aisle uh, pure and clean and they come down the middle aisle and they get married and we all rejoice because, boy, they're getting married. But truthfully, the rejoicing took place 20 years earlier when there was a mom and dad that said, God, would you please help my, my child to find the right mate and help them to stay clean and pure and help them to do what's right and help them make the kind of mate that they would want their mate to be. All of the prayers that went into that happened 20 years prior to that, that happening. And I'm just saying that what's going on in a congregation, we need to pray for one another. And I want to tell you why we should pray for one another. Because of the fellowship of the gospel, because of the partnership that we have for what we're doing. Paul said the second reason that he prayed was not only because of the partnership in the gospel in verse number uh, five. He says, being confident of this very thing that he, God, which hath begun a good work in you, the people in Philippi, will perform it until the day of Christ. Now, I don't think I'm reading into this, but I'm just trying to tell you that Paul said this. He said, God's already begun a good work in you, the church at Philippi. He's begun it, and he's going to perform it until. Now, here's what Paul was saying. He said, the reason I'm praying for you is because of the partnership of the gospel. But number two, he said, the reason I'm praying for you is because of what you can become. But Paul, Paul saw what they could become, not what they were. The reason we are so impatient with one another is because we see the here and now, but we don't see the now and then. We don't see what God's trying to do in a person's life. Listen, we get to the place where we look at the other Christian and we think to ourselves, oh, they could never be or they could never do or they could never serve. You're not God. And you have no idea what God's going to do in that person's life and all the things that are going on in that person's life till one day it does blossom into a flower because God does his work in his time. Listen, Paul said to the church at Philippi, the Philippian jailer, the, the slave girl, to Lydia, hey, listen, God's already begun something in you, and the reason I'm praying for you is because of what he is going to perform in your life. 
The word perform is interesting in that there. It means to fulfill further. Church, I, mean, I don't know about you, and I, I'd like to say on your behalf, there is no Christian that is supposed to be or should be that is satisfied where they are right now. The goal is that we would grow in our faith. The goal is that we would not yield to the temptations in our life. The goal is that we would be better for Christ. We, can I just tell you something? That should be our prayer for every individual of the church. God, would you please further them? Would you continue to perform the good work that you were trying to do in your life? It's just a matter that Paul, the reason he says, I'm praying for you is because we're partners. He said, the reason I'm praying for you is because of what you are becoming. He says another thing in this verse here, next verse, I should say, verse 7. The reason Paul prayed for them is in verse number 7. He says, even as it is meet, in other words, proper and fit for me, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because why? Because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds, in other words, while he was in chains, as in my bonds, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. Now, just remember what Paul's trying to say here, he's saying, listen, uh, I have you in my heart, he says, what's going on while, while I'm in jail is not just for me in jail, but it's in the defense and confirmation of the gospel so that you can be partakers of what God's doing in my life. What Paul was saying, I'm not in jail just because I'm in jail. I'm in the Roman jail right now because Philippi is a Roman province. And what God does for me on the defense of the gospel is the same thing that's going to happen for you in Philippi for the defense of the gospel. He said, what I'm doing here is pretty important because it helps you there. But Paul was, what I want you, to, want, you, want you to see tonight is that Paul said, the reason I'm praying for you is because, yes, we're partners in this thing. The reason I'm praying for you is because of what you can become. And the reason I'm praying for you is because I have you in my heart. Look at the next verse. He, it goes along with that in verse number eight. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you all in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Church family, Paul did not love the, the congregation at Philippi because of his love toward them. It says in the bowels of Jesus Christ. Paul's what love was not because he loved them, it's because Christ loved through Paul. In other words, Paul's love for him, for the congregation, was birthed, or I could say, was the conduit of Christ's love for the congregation. Well, I don't love that person. Christ does. The fruit of the Spirit is what's the very first fruit? Love. Can I just tell you that God loves every individual of the Heritage Baptist Church just like he loved the individuals of the church at Philippi? And Paul said, because Christ loved them, I'm going to make sure that I love them because I want Christ to love through me to love them. You know, sometimes we work up to try to figure out, how am I going to love this person? I don't like him. Okay, I want to tell you how you love that person. Christ loved you, and Christ wants that same love to flow through you toward another individual. Hey, this message tonight is really what I said at the beginning. I feel like the kids need to understand the passage that they're memorizing, and that's what the Lord had for us tonight. I don't know that if you don't love or you do love, but I'm just trying to tell you why Paul loved, and it's the same reason we're supposed to love one another. We're partners in this thing. God wants to perform. God wants to do something great in a person's life. That's why we pray for them, that God would keep them protected and use them and bless them. And they ought to be on our heart. We ought to love them. You know, the priest would go into the tabernacle and he would wear that ephod and there was a jewel, a precious stone on that ephod and there was one for all the tribes of Israel, which is a picture of the priest coming before God just as the, they were on the, the breastplate or the heart of the priest. We're the priesthood of the believers. When we come before God, there ought to be people on our heart before God. Amen. 
There ought to be people that you should be thinking about and praying for. Young people, listen, it's not too early in your life to get into a habit of praying for others. Okay, yes, you pray for yourself first. Then you pray for those closest. In my situation, I pray for my wife. I pray for my children. After getting praying for my children, I pray for my mother, and she needs my prayer, believe me. I pray for my mother. I pray for my two sisters. That takes for two hours. I pray for my two sisters. I pray for my brother. I pray for his children. I have to pray for, my, for his children. I pray for my wife's side of the family. When I'm praying for my wife's side of the family, then I come to the church family. I pray for the church family alphabetically. I start in A. It's easier for me to remember, and I work my way down uh, to the end. All right, and so... Kyle and Haley are the last one right now because their last name ends in Young. But I, I worked through that, that prayer sheet. Missionaries are on my list. But missionaries, believe it or not, fall after that. And I don't always get to the missionaries. But there are, one thing I do want to get to are those who are the closest to me. And by the way, you're the closest family and you are the closest thing I have to me. And I want to just tell you something. You have a church family. You ought to pray for them. You ought to pray for them. And I know, I know sometimes you pray for them and it just seems so generic because you don't always know maybe specific needs in their life. But can I tell you, Paul did not know the specific needs of the Philippian church and he tells exactly what to pray for. All right? So first he says why he's praying for them. Then he tells them what he's praying for. Look at your Bible now, verse number 10, 9, uh, 9 10, and 11. What's the first four words in verse number 9? For this I pray. What did he pray for? The word that is mentioned three times here. Verse number nine, in this I pray that, number one, your love may abound yet more and more in the knowledge and all judgment. That, number two, verse number 10, that ye may approve things that are excellent. And that, number three, that ye may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. But you're me, there's three things. That if you don't know what to pray for one another, obviously there's our specific things that we can pray for when it comes to raising children, when it comes to financial needs, when it comes to health issues. You have a prayer list that's given to you on Wednesday nights, things that we can pray for for one another. But Paul did not get a prayer list on Wednesday night. He's sitting in jail. So guess what he did? He said, this is what I'm praying for for you. Now, since Paul is writing under the inspiration of God, I would think that these things are important for us to pray also. The first thing he says is that your love would, be, would abound, verse number 10, that, uh, uh, I'm sorry, verse number 9. He says that your love may abound yet more and more and in knowledge and all judgment. But you're me that word abound means to be in excess. <clears throat> It's interesting that the one thing that Paul starts off with more than anything else when it comes to praying for one another is that we would love and that love would abound. It would be in excess, that it would continue to grow. You know, Paul is, again, it goes back to the scriptures. What's the greatest commandment in the Bible? To love who? Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and mind. What's the second greatest commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul knew that one of the hardest things in the Christian life is for us to love people. How many's figured out that people are not like, just like you? They're not just like you. It'd be a boring world if everybody was just like us, right? <clears throat> the brothers and sisters in the same family are not like one another. I have, we have eight, and they are not the same. They are all different. I can prove that tonight. But my children don't want me to prove that tonight. They're just different. When it comes to God's family, <clears throat> we have several different people that are represented tonight. And we're all different in our life. If there's one thing that we all struggle with, it's loving people. And specifically loving one another. You know what? At my house, it's a constant referee, referee game. You know? Don't do that. Do that. Leave them alone. Stop, stop that. Why are you hitting them? I have one child right now that right now just loves to hit everybody. I don't know what it is. Hit. Hit, hit, 
it's just like, I, say, I ask him, why are you hitting them? I want to. <laughs> am I lying, Sarah? Am I telling the truth? <laughs> I'm telling the truth. Stop hitting them. She'll go up to Silas and hit him. Now, Silas is a lot bigger than her. I said, you know, you're going to make him mad. No. It's like, I know she can't hit me back. I don't know what the deal is. You know, in the Christian life, it's the same way in a church family. I mean, hope you don't go hitting people. Please don't do that, all right? But we nitpick and we, sometimes we don't always get along. But that's why Paul said, the one thing I'm praying for is that, that you, your church at Philippi, that you'd love one another. And you'd show that love to one another. Second thing he says I pray for in verse number 10. He says that, that ye may, may approve things that are excellent. Very interesting statement that he makes there. That ye may approve things that are excellent. The word approve there means to test. That ye may approve things that are excellent. To test things that are excellent. The word excellent there means to be better or of more value. So here's what Paul's saying. I'm praying for you that, number one, that, that you'll love people, specifically congregations, that you'll love. He said the second thing is I'm praying that God would help you to make right decisions, to test things that are excellent. What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians 10? He said in verse 23, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. In other words, they're not proper, they're not fit. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Word edify, they don't build up. In other words, there are some things that you can do that might not necessarily be wrong, but they're not the best or the, the best decision in life. So what's Paul praying for the Philippian church? He's, I'm praying for them to love. I'm praying for them to make right decisions, that they will test what's best for their life, for their family, for their work. It, how many times do we make wrong decisions? So what should we be praying for one another? God, would you please give them wisdom today? Would you show them, help them make right choices for their life, for their family? God, would you please give them direction? What, that's what Paul was praying for. God, please help them to test or to find out what is excellent, what is of the, the most value, what is the best. Third thing he says he prays for. Look at your Bible again, verse number 10. He says, last of all, that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. He says, God, I, I'm not there, I'm in prison, but I'm asking that you would please help the church at Philippi not to be offensive, all right? Now, the wonderful thing about independent Baptists is we're most of the time not offensive, okay? We never speak our mind. We're always kind. We're always gentle. We're always loving. We always think about the needs of others. We never say a, a, an unkind word. We're never, we never gossip about one another. We never, we're never judgmental. We just don't do stuff like that, okay? There's other people out there that do, but not this, not this group, all right? The Church of Philippi, they must not have been independent Baptists because they did these things. And so Paul says, listen, I'm praying that they will not be offensive, that they'll be sincere. The word sincere means to be genuine. In other words, real. Amen. Now, for Paul to pray that, then obviously we as Christians have a tendency to be fake. In other words, we put on this, this facade of what we want people to perceive that we are when God already knows what we are. We need to pray for one another. You might be thinking tonight, okay, well, how long we got to do that? Well, Paul just told you, till the day of Christ. Guess it's until he comes back. Amen. Church family, I, I would say in my own personal life, I have no problem praying for myself. To be honest with you, I do not know of a day that goes by that I do not pray the, J, uh, the, on, the on, um, model prayer of the JBS prayer. I just don't know of a day that goes by because I'm going to start my day that way. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm not going to talk to somebody. I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm going to do anything until first of all I pray. 
if there's a struggle in my life as far as making sure that I have the discipline to make sure and make the time to do, it's praying for others. I, want my, I really want my life to be that every day that I pray for my family, my extended family, and the church family, I try to put that at the priority and the highest part of my list. Amen. There are other people that I pray for beyond that. That, to be honest with you, there's many a days they don't get prayed for because obviously, like you, we work, we get things done, we go to the next thing, we study our Bible. We, I mean, there's just so many other things. There's only 24 hours in a day. But if there's something that I try my best to make sure that it's on a highest priority, it's just to make sure that we pray for others. You know, we don't know what the, everybody else is going through, but God knows what you're going through. I can't tell you how many times people have walked through that back door and went through a service, <clears throat> and they put that smile on their face like we always do. How you doing tonight, brother? Oh, I'm doing great. How you doing tonight? But then when they walk out of the auditorium, they say, Pastor, hey, listen, I just lost my job. My spouse and I are having some major problems. I just found out I got cancer. They didn't say anything. They, they, they came like you came. And they did the handshaking time, and they smiled, but they're, they're in their heavy heart. You don't know that. God knows that. So that's why we as brethren and sisters in Christ, we need to take time to pray for one another. Now, I'll say this, and I'm done. <clears throat> what I would do if I were you as far as praying is, number one, make sure that you have a prayer list, okay? Get the church family prayer list. If you don't have it, ask Joy, or I think that's Rachel. Rachel Gould has that. Uh, you text Rachel Gould. She'll email it to you or send it to you. It has every person that's a church member here um, on the prayer list uh, that, that shows the names of their family and their children. That's the first thing I would do. Second thing I would do is I would find out the easiest way to be able to keep track of praying for the church family. All righty? For some of you, it's condensing the prayer list to cards and maybe carrying three by five cards or pasting the church family a condensed church family prayer list into the front of your Bible, those might be. For some of you, it's digital. Uh, I'm At this time in my life, I do it digitally, and so I have it on my iPad, I have it on my phone, so that anytime I'm not, I can't, I, I have the names and the people, and to be honest with you, I actually use a digital program that's so I can put a person's prayer request on. I don't know how many times a person says, would you please pray for me in this area, and I'm not going to lie to you. If you tell me to pray for you, and I tell you I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray. But because my memory's bad, one of two things is going to happen. We're either going to stop right there and we're going to write it down. Or number two, I'm going to tell you, text that to my phone. So when I get back to my phone, I'm going to put it into my prayer list. Because if I tell you I'm going to pray for you on something, I'm going to pray for you. You have to remember those things as far as praying. So you can do it digitally. You can do it as far as a handwritten thing. The third thing I would encourage, and this is practical stuff, and I'm done uh, here shortly. But the third thing I would do as far as praying is I would pray. That I'm just telling you what's easiest for me. I would pray alphabetically. And I want to tell you why. At the beginning, you cannot remember everybody's names, but you will find out that if you do it alphabetically, that there'll be times that when you do not have your prayer list with you, you are still going to be able to pray for the church family because our minds are made that way. <clears throat> Alan, <clears throat> Atwell, Anderson, Benton, uh, Bond, uh, Carolyn Bond also, um, uh, Bryant, and there's two Bryants uh, in our church, we pray for the Bryant family and their children. Uh, it, you'll find out that it's easier to remember people's names as far as if you'll do it alphabetically, as far as that goes. Um, the third thing I would just tell you is this, is that when you're praying for the church family, that if you can put a time with it as far as when you're going to pray, because so many times it gets out of, you don't get to do it. If you're praying the model prayer, 
the model prayer is not set five minutes and I'm done, 10 minutes I'm done. Sometimes you do the model prayer and it takes you 10, 10 minutes. The next time you do the model prayer, it might take you 30 minutes. It's just because when you're praying, prayer is not a recitation. You're talking to somebody. So if you don't set a time, sometimes you never get to the church family, all right? And I'll give you one more thing, okay? If you do not pray for the church family on a certain day and you fail to do it, you pick it up the next day. Don't just think to yourself, I can't do this, all righty? Now, I will tell you, we have a couple church members that do it this way, is they have divided the church family list up into five days, and there's so many people that they pray per day, and so that every day they're praying for somebody as far as church family. I don't know what you need to do, but I would venture a guess without a raise of hands in here that there's a majority of people that you do not pray for the church family because you think it's impossible. How am I going to remember all of these families with all of these children? If, if that's the problem, then you divide it up so you're praying for six, seven families a day. In some cases, if you want to do it in five days, probably 11 families a day. <clears throat> but I'm just telling you, Paul said to the church at Philippi, I'm going to pray for you because I have you on my heart. I'm going to pray for you because we're in partner, partnering this thing together. I'm going to pray for you because of what God's going to do in your life. And then Paul told, told us what to pray. Church, I mean, it's important for us to pray for one another. It's important for us to pray for one another. You know, when we get to heaven, we're going to find out the souls that could have been saved that we did not witness to. But I'm also going to, I think that we're also going to find out the prayers that could have been answered but never were answered because we never prayed them. I really do. I told you about the story about Jesse Napier, <clears throat> and I'll close with this and be done. Jesse Napier was a teenager that had come to Sauk Village when I was a young, a young man. <clears throat> My father would take people into, the, into our home uh, growing up, and he would try to help them. Jesse Napier came from a family in the, in the state of Indiana, and I don't remember the connection, but Jesse came to our, he was in 11th grade, and uh, I was teaching at the time, so I must have just finished uh, college. And Jesse Napier said, Brother Scott, that's what they called me then. He said, Brother Scott, would you please pray for me because I'm going to go home. He stayed with us during the school year. He stayed in our family's home. He said, I'm going to go home for the summer and then I'm going to come back and finish school. And he said, would you please pray for me? I did not write it down. I did not pray for him. I never saw him again. And I really believe that he would have come back, he would have finished, and he would have done right and made it if somebody would have just prayed for him. Because God is the one that does a work in a person's life, and that's what prayer does. Amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes tonight?